Let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you again as we come before your throne of grace. You said that you welcome us and we can be confident and we can approach your throne with boldness and ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. And Lord, to be honest, if we really think about it, we're always in need. And you always give grace and mercy. You always provide strength. You always provide the power needed to be able to go through this journey called life. And Lord, we know that we're nothing without you. And we know, Lord, as we sang, we're desperate for you. And we're lost without you. And Lord, we need you desperately. We need you desperately, Lord, to come and revive the church, the body of Christ, right here, Lord. And we're asking today, you begin with Lighthouse Fellowship. We want everybody, Lord, to be included. But Lord, we ask you that you would begin here. We ask that you awaken every heart in this place. And everyone who will listen to this particular sermon, this time together, pray their hearts would be awakened, quickened to your very presence and your holiness and your goodness and your desire, Lord, to see all people get saved. So Lord, today come, do that. We ask you, Lord, that by your spirit, you do something so supernatural in this place this day. We would leave here and Lord, we would say, surely God is in this place because you are. You're here now. And we're thankful for your presence in this place. And Lord, we've been talking about that. And Lord, we're just kind of like sort of like grasping for what what all this means for our lives, Lord, really, to be honest and get real humble before you, Lord. But we know, Lord, you'll show us. Because why? It's your word. It's your truth. And you want us to know you, Lord, in a way that we've never, ever anticipated in our lives. You want us to walk in a depth of intimacy that we had never, ever even grasped from our heart's desires. And so, Lord, today we ask you to bring it to pass. We ask you, Lord, to do these things that are on your heart towards us as a body, as individuals and corporately as a church and the body of Christ. And we, Lord, ask you that our hearts will meet your heart. Lord, show us what your heart is and your desires. And help us to be in so in tune with the Spirit of God that, Father, we would not do anything to stray from the paths you have before us. We ask you, Lord, to speak. I have nothing to say. We know your word, Lord, will go forth from this place because your word said it will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish all that you have set forth for it to accomplish. And so, Lord, do that this day. Help us not just to understand intellectually, but help us to experience you, to know you, to grasp and know how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. We ask you, Lord, to do that today. We know that's your desire for your people. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Been talking about. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Amen. Hallelujah. I stay hungry, to be honest with you, physically. (laughs) But I want to stay hungry spiritually. Okay. I want to know the Lord. Remember years ago, obviously, talking with a pastor, getting prayer and so forth. And I said, I need some counsel. And he said, hey, I just want to tell you. Tell God you want to know him. I said, that's it. That's it. Tell God you want to know him. And that set me on a course over the years. And actually, not that that started then, but that helped to kind of propel me and give me momentum to keep on going. So uh, I want every person to know the Lord. I don't want anyone left out. This church, obviously, is my heart. And all of you, I love all of you. But I want everybody to know the depth of our God and His love for each and every one of us today. And I believe he's doing something very special today. And I believe that Jesus said, if you'll just believe, then we'll see his glory. Amen. If you'll just believe, if you'll just believe that God is going to do something big in your life. I want to tell you something's going to happen. It's going to change your life and you won't be the same forevermore. And that's what life is all about. 
So when we talk about are you hungry, we put in parentheses here for more of God. Amen? For more of God. And so we talk about that. And you can describe that and define that any way you want. But we desire, we long. There's a pursuit of God in my life and your life, right? It's not something that we sort of like become static. Because sometimes when we do become static, then we know that obviously we're not moving forward in the things of God. And so today I want to talk about that. Are you hungry? And are you hungry for more of God? And in our text is Exodus chapter 33. And I welcome everybody who will be watching this on particular uh, channels of social media. And I pray God would speak to you in a special way. Lord, speak to us. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11 in Exodus 33. We've kind of hung around in Exodus 33 for a while. Exodus 33 is just packed full of good stuff, okay? So, if you'd like to stand while we read the Word of God, you can do that. And read with me, if you would. It's NIV. It's printed on the screen here. Let's read together. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and listened and worshipped each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, listen, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Amen. Amen. May God add blessings through the reading of his word. Packed full here in just these few verses of what we're talking about today. We've been talking about the presence of the Lord. And we're talking about what Moses asked of God when he said, show me your glory. He's leading the Israelites out of bondage, out of slavery, the same way Jesus took us out of slavery. He redeemed our lives. He redeemed us and obviously took us out of slavery to sin. He placed our lives upon a rock. The Lord Jesus Christ forgave us and redeemed us and, and forgave us of our sins. So Moses symbolically leading the Israelites out of Egypt where they had been in slavery, in bondage, and he was leading them into freedom. And God had chosen Moses, although Moses evidently stuttered and he didn't really speak well, and Moses was really hesitant about doing this to begin with. Sometimes when God asks us to do a task that looks beyond our ability to do it on our own, we know that obviously we begin to question God, don't we? And God says, Walk, step forward in faith. I'll give you whatever it is you need uh, to be able to fulfill, fulfill the task that I have set before you. And we know we've experienced that. I've experienced that throughout my life. And I know you have also. But Moses asked God, he said, well, if we go out from here, he said, who am I going to tell the people that are questioning who sent me? And remember, all God said was just tell them I am. That's it. That's all needed. Tell them I am. I am that I am, okay? And obviously, theologically, the belief system there at that time, they knew who that was. I am, really, and we could think of it today, is our, our great I am is with us, and He is whatever we need in life, amen? He is the answer to whatever we need in life. And He says the same thing today that He said back then, and He's always said and will continue to be the great I am. But then He said this, and he said, if your presence doesn't go with us, then I don't want to go up from here. And remember what he said? If you don't go with us, then I don't want to go up from here, Lord. And God said, my presence will go with you. Now, isn't that good news? Now, see, this was old covenant back in. And if you look at it even before that time. But we're in a new covenant where Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never walk away from us. No matter what happens in our lives, no matter what disaster, no matter what adversity, He will never leave us. He won't walk away from us. He's with us today. And we're saying today, Lord, if you don't go with us, 
we're not going to go up from this place. We don't want to move out of this place unless you, Lord, go with us. Unless you are directing our paths. Unless it is at the center of your will that we're moving and walking in. We don't want to go up from here. But then Moses had the audacity to say, went beyond that, and he said, show me your glory. Now I would think, my goodness, he'd already asked all these questions of God, and God very graciously gave him all the answers, powerful answers, but he said, then show me your glory. And so when I asked the question a couple of weeks ago, I said, if you had any prayer requests that you would want answered, want to ask God, would it be for, say, for financial security? Or maybe for a, um, a new car, or get your car repaired, or or home, or whatever it may be, whatever it may be, or health, or whatever it may be, what would you ask God for? Well, I presented to you, Moses obviously was very well off in that. God had blessed him, had used him, had an anointing upon his life, like, I mean, powerful anointing to be used by the Lord and so forth. And Moses asked one request, one request, and I think it's so important for you and me, and for the church today, to have the same prayer and the same request. Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory. And so over the last few months and all of my walk with the Lord, this has been my prayer. But in the last eight months, it's been intense prayer every day on a regular basis throughout the day. And so I thought, Lord, what does this mean? What are you trying to show us? And so glory actually is a little bit difficult in that sense to fully understand to where we can wrap our minds around it. But basically, it's the majesty of God. It's the presence of the Lord. It's the manifest presence of the Lord. And you know what manifest means? It's actually the tangible presence of the Lord. It's God right here with us. It's like when you feel warmth around your heart, around you at that time. God has come and surrounded you with His manifest presence. It's like I can reach out. If I could just reach out and touch Him, He'd be right there because He is. It's the manifest presence of the Lord. Show us your glory. Because we need the glory of God to come back into the church. We need the power of God to come back into the church today. That people get saved. That lives are transformed by His power and His strength today. We need the strength and power and glory of God to return. And so that should be our prayer also, as I mentioned. And then what happens when you do experience the Lord in this particular way? What did they do when they saw the cloud, which is actually symbolic here, you reread it, of the glory of God. The glory of God came to that tent of meeting and, and fell right there at the doorway. And what did the people do when they came out of their tents and saw that cloud coming upon the tent of meeting? What did they do? Anybody? What do you remember what they said they did? They worshipped. They worshipped. They worship the Lord. When the presence of God comes in and manifests in the way that God desires, we worship. Because see, so often what we do is go through the motions, I believe. We have good intentions and we have sincere intentions, but sincerity a lot of times won't lead you in the right direction. And so we're actually wanting an encounter with God because worship actually means an encounter with God. That means in one way or another connecting with God to where you know in your heart something is different here. Something is happening in my life. I cannot explain. And most of the time when God works in my life and your life, you can't fully explain it, can you? You can't because it's supernatural. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It's much higher, much bigger than our, our way. And so when we encounter the Lord in that way, we, we worship we worship the Lord. And this is what happened at this particular time. And so we want to talk about this today. But I want to go back just a little bit and talk about praise and worship. So let me just make a distinction here. Praise is about God. Okay? That's praise Him. Praise Him, Lord. Praise His holy name. I love the praise of the Lord. But worship is to God. Praise, remember, again, is about God. And worship is to God. Music is great. And music and other means, sermons and other means, are tools that God uses to lead us in to worship. 
to encounter Him. But music just by itself is not necessarily worship. We sing so we can enter in to worship and encounter the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what it's all about. Praise is horizontal. But worship is vertical. It's speaking to God. Some of the contemporary songs that I've mentioned in the past and we use is singing to God and not just about God. The old hymns are great, but many of them sing about God and not necessarily to God. Now, again, you can worship with other hymns in the contemporary Christian music and, and you can worship as you encounter the Lord. But an encounter with the Lord is what worship really is. And so I want to talk about that because praise focuses on the things God has done and can do here. And worship focuses on the presence of God Himself. Praise opens the gate to lead us deeper into the presence of God where we will worship Him. Praise is the one standing outside the tabernacle saying, what an awesome place God has built. But worship is the one who enters into the Holy of Holies and says, what an awesome God you are. It's encountering God, okay? Got it? I want everybody to get going. We're not going to move on. I want everybody to know this because I want you to know what worship is today. Because so often. Now, we sing so we can enter into worship and encounter with the Lord. Music in itself is not actually worship in that. And praise is not. But it is a means because God inhabits the praises of His people, right? Now, remember, what I'm talking about here is something because I want to make a distinction. Remember, I've talked about the omnipresence of God is that God is everywhere. Omni means everywhere. He's everywhere. He's here right now. He's with us no matter what. But there are times, and maybe in your life and my life, that you've actually, again, you, you, it's like, you know, boy, God is touching me. I mean, and sometimes there's a depth of emotions that rise up in your heart and you, you begin to maybe weep or maybe begin to uh, laugh. Or maybe there's a joy or peace in your heart. We pray for people at times. And I ask them what the Spirit is doing. And many of them will say, I just feel peace. Because Jesus is our peace. Okay. And so these things are encountering God. Because you know there'd be no way this would happen unless something supernatural, spiritual was taking place in your life. Worship is when we look into His presence and see His awesomeness. At the same time, worship gives us a clearer picture of our own weakness without God in our lives. In other words, remember Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah comes in and he just lost his friend, the king. And he had a vision of God seated on his throne. Remember? And he says this. He, had a, he, he was touched by the very presence of God. And he says, woe is me. I am a sinner. And he says, I live amongst the people who are sinners. And he said, I'm undone. I'm done, done. You are, you're, the real down deep in your heart is revealed when God touches you. And you begin to enter into worship the way that God has called us to worship. And Isaiah knew that experientially. But remember the seraphim that took the coal there off the altar? You can look at it at Isaiah chapter 6. And he, they took the coal and touched on Isaiah's lips. Remember, symbolic of the blood, the blood cleansing him and all that. And then obviously what happened? He knew. And what did he say? Lord, here I am. Send me. So what happened was his life was changed. When we worship the Lord and when we encounter the Lord, we are changed. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we're changed from glory to glory. When we encounter the Lord, we're changed. We're not the same. We want everybody to know about the Lord, okay? I don't want just Lighthouse Fellowship to know about the Lord. I want everybody to know about the Lord. I want the world to know about the Lord. We're talking it and preaching it and testifying to it now, to His presence. But I want everybody to know the Lord. I want to worship God the way we're going to worship Him in heaven. Amen? Amen. I've said that. And that seems ridiculous in some ways in our, our finite thinking because we don't think that way. But God is saying, God is in, in, in the area He works in our faith. And when we believe that because He's saying, I don't want you to wait. I want you to worship Me now in that I've redeemed you by My Son. I've called you by name. And I want 
to worship in the same way. And so, ah, that's the journey that we're on. Serious worshipers press into all of who God is and with all of who they are. By soul and body and also spirit. Not just with our lips. With our whole being, we worship the Lord. Remember last week, we talked about the lady in Mark chapter 5 with the issue of blood. She was an outcast because she had blood. She was actually an uh, outcast. She couldn't go into society at that time because it was forbidden of her. Remember the story we read about? Remember what she did? She was desperate, right? And she crawled through the crowd of men. And this was a man-dominated society. Women were really not allowed to do that. They took a back seat. And yet this woman, with an issue of blood, she had a lot of stuff going against her. And she crawled through the crowd and reached out and touched Jesus' cloak. And remember what happened. Some translations say, and Jesus realized that virtue or power had gone from him. And she was healed immediately. And remember there, Jesus looked and said, who touched me? And disciples said, Lord, there are a lot of people around you who could have touched you and so forth. And Jesus basically was saying, no, somebody touched me here. And the lady had to come clean. <laughs> but what happened? She faced embarrassment. She faced rejection. She faced complete isolation if something didn't happen. But she'd heard about Jesus. And she crawled through and she was willing to take the humiliation because she wanted to worship Jesus more than anything else in this world because she was desperate for her healing. And you see today, if we realize it or not, and we get real, we're desperate for the presence of God and we're desperate to worship Him down deep in our souls because why? We were made to be worshipers. That's why we were created. To be worshipers of God Almighty. Serious worshipers press into the presence of God that takes an effort. We can't become static and just say, well, Lord, zap me if you want to, and so forth, okay? You know, here I am, right? <laughs> we just zap me, and He will if He wants to. Trust me, He's sovereign. But He wants our hearts that hunger for Him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. You hunger and thirst. Those obviously are poor in spirit. It, it speaks exactly the opposite of what the world tells us. God is saying you want me? Then you need to humble yourself. And you need to become desperate. We're going to talk about that. How does that happen? And I'm going to talk about again. How does that actually work today? Let me talk. Let me say this one thing. The turning point in our faith comes when we stop worshiping the God that we want. And start worshiping the God who is. That's a turning point. See I come in with a grocery list. Lord bless me. Heal me. Do all this. Nothing wrong with that. And he will. But when I come to a place in my heart of hearts. And wanting God just because of who he is. And he's all I want. And he's all I need. Things begin to change. Right? Everybody got that. That's what it's all about, you see. Paul knew that. He encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus. He was killing Christians. And here he goes. And man, Jesus just completely, he did knock him down. Blinded him and so forth. Changed Paul. And Paul obviously was probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest apostle. And gave us most of the New Testament under the inspiration of God's Spirit. And so, what can we do about all of this? How can you do it? If you want to be a worshiper of God today, you're here. Or you wouldn't have come back. Okay? You've stuck with me this long. Don't leave me now. Hang on. It's going to get better, folks. It's going to get better. Don't leave me now. Don't you. You come back next week or I'll be calling you. Okay? What can we do? I want to share with you today one thing we can do. Because, see, here's the thing. Let me just mention God is sovereign, which means he rules and reigns. It means that obviously he does things he wants to do. Again, we worship the God who is, not just who we want him to be. And so he does what he wants to do. So what is this Christian life about? It's a prep life of preparation. It's a life of getting into a position to where God can touch us in the way that he wants. 
And so that's what I want to talk about today. It's most important. So I want to talk about, again, about worship is about who God is. Praise prepares us for worship, for encountering God himself. What is worship? It's the meeting of God's heart and our hearts. His heart, his desires connects with our heart. And we're touched and changed. God is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit, actually, obviously with our whole being. And also truth, according to the word of God. The wonderful blessing here. And so, again, talking about that pressing in, we talked about it last week. We've got to make an effort to encounter the Lord, but we're on that journey together. And also, there's a price to encounter the Lord. We're going to talk about it today. So, we need to be prepared. I want to encourage you. I may have mentioned it last week. If I didn't, I want to mention it again. When you come in here on Sunday morning, if you would, I know y'all love to greet people, and we need that because we need fellowship. <laughs> but after that, and you take your seats, begin to pray. Pray for the service all week. Begin to pray. Bow your heads. People speak to you. Mm-hmm. Hello. Good. I'm here. I want to meet the Lord. Because see, that's why we're here. Yes, fellowship is great. But we're here to encounter the Lord. We're here to worship the King. And so begin to ask the Lord when you come in. Lord, I want to encounter you. I want to worship you today. That's why I'm here. And if your body doesn't feel like it, speak to your body. Command your body. The body, we're going to worship today. Just why I said, we're here to worship the King. Get straight. Get ready. And allow the Lord of God, Lord Almighty, to touch you in that way. So when you come in, I'll just mention that to you. And I may mention it in the future. Begin for preparation. Because our preparation for corporate worship has got to include a daily personal encounter with God. You see, I can't live like the devil all week and live, you know, the way I want to live all week and then come in here on Sunday morning and expect to encounter the Lord. It's a week of preparation. Everybody getting that? I'm speaking, all of us, I'm speak, I always preach to myself, remember that. I can't live like that way. I've got to live for the Lord every day. I've got to live in close contact. I've got to worship Him all week long. And I'm not asking and telling you to become some kind of pie in the sky or be so pious that you're no earthly good, so to speak, okay? But I am talking to you. Our hearts have to be fixed upon Him. Remember Isaiah 26, 3 says, He'll keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in the Lord, right? When my mind gets on other things, when my mind gets on the worries of the world, when my mind gets on those things that are just a temporary type of pleasure, so to speak, in that way, then I sometimes I lose my peace. But the Bible says, if my mind is stayed upon thee, he'll keep me in perfect peace because he trusts in the Lord. We worry about all these things. The Bible speaks about worry. He said, don't worry. He said, I'll take care of you. But we worry and we fret and we, we obviously get consumed with these petty things. We see all this stuff going on around us today and we get involved with those things and God said, I want you to pray about that, but I don't want you to worry about it. I don't want you to be so involved. You see, he says, come out and be ye separate from the world. Yeah, we're still here. We're here. But God is saying we're separate also. That's why we can worship the king king at any time the personal worship obviously is what i want to talk about today talking about it and this is what the tent of meeting okay would you put the scripture back up on there please the tent of meeting let me just find that in the scripture here we go whenever the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing seven here we go the tent of meeting look at what it says It says that Moses took the tent and pitched it outside the camp some distance away. That's where he met God. What is that going to say? Everybody get where I'm going with this? The tent of meeting was taken out of the distractions that took place in a bunch of people because he had several million people. And that tent of meeting was actually taken out away from that. How many of you know when you begin to pray that it seems like everything breaks loose? How many of you know when you begin to pray that your phone rings? How many of you know when you begin to pray that you begin to think of a thousand things that you need to do and they must be done right now? Anybody know about that? Okay. 
We know about it, don't we? The tent of meeting is symbolic of Moses when he got away from the crowds and he got away to be with the Lord, to worship the Lord. He was being prepared. And that's what happens with me. It happens with everybody. And you know one thing? I don't know. The flesh can cause it too, but the devil will cause it. The devil will come in and put all this stuff in your mind to say, if you don't take care of this right now, if you don't get up from praying right now that everything, the whole world is going to go down to tubes. And so what do you do? You get up. And then you miss that time with the Lord. I know none of y'all can relate to that, but I can. God, the tent of meeting, this is symbolic of our personal worship. We've got to worship Him. Now, y'all are saying, but Jim, you know, I'm busy. And I know that. We're all busy. And I've got a lot of distractions. I know that. We've all got distractions. But let me just, I want to challenge you, okay? Forever how long the Lord can set apart and you get quiet before the Lord and just ask Him, you want to talk to Him. Real quietly begin to whisper His name. Jesus, Jesus. Begin to sit still. And allow that rattle in your brain to obviously settle down. Because if not, it's going to always be a distraction. But there's a realm of worship that he leads us into. And it can happen when you come in and praise and worship. Because praise will lead you into worship too. It can. But in preparation, it's got to be away from the distractions of what all this world comes at us about, certainly here. Moses' private encounters with God were obviously there at the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting there, and then the tabernacle was built later on here, but it's so symbolic. I love the Old Testament too because so many things point to where obviously relevant for our life today, here today, certainly. And so the cloud represents the glory of God. Moses went in and the cloud came down. The glory of God. And the people saw it and they worshiped. When the glory of God comes in, you'll worship. When the presence, the manifest presence of the Lord comes in, you'll worship. Remember what we just said? What are we going to do in heaven? We're going to worship. We're going to be in the glory of God 24-7. It won't be any time, in essence, of time in heaven. But we will worship God all the time. In the glory of God. And we will be in obviously the manifest glory of God. Beyond anything we could ever imagine. If you've ever experienced the glory of God. If you've ever just encountered. If you haven't in that way. It's not a spiritual merit badge. If you haven't in that sense. Okay. But at times God reveals himself in that way. And you realize you're in the glory of God. It wouldn't be so if it wasn't. Because Moses obviously is asking to show Show him his, his glory. Amen. This is biblical. These things God wants us to cry out for. Because we're desperate for him to show us his glory. Our lives are changed. Remember? 2 Corinthians 3. From glory to glory to glory. We're changed. We're not the same. And besides that. Remember when Moses was saying. Who am I going to tell these people are going to question Leading these people out of bondage and so forth. How how will there be a distinction between the people I'm leading out of here, the people of God, and the people over here who are basically worshiping the devil? What is the distinction here? The glory of God. The presence of the Lord. What's going to be a distinction when we go out here? The Kilgores or wherever, the Starbucks. I hope they hurry up and and rebuild... uh, Kelly's up here. I hope they hurry. I hadn't thought about that. But who's going? Where are we going to be distinguished? How are we going to be distinguished? The presence of God, the radiance of the glory of God in your life. You know, go in. I want people to notice that, not to try to bring attention to me. It's not about me. And so often, that's what's happening in our lives today when we worship. It's all about me. We got to get our focus on the Lord. There's a song we sing. It talks about just concentrating on God when we come in. It's an old chorus that we used to sing. Just let everything else go and concentrate on God. We're here to worship Him. We're here to give Him the glory. He's number one. Amen. Amen. We all would say that. Let's put it to practice also. The cloud represents the glory of God. And they worship, man. They worshiped here. 
the tent of meeting. It was set outside the outside the uh, the commotion. Set aside. That's something we have to do. Let me tell you, you may think, I may not be real good at this, but if you try it, I believe God will honor our efforts. Okay? I just believe He wants us to step out in faith and do it and worship Him and praise Him. Just speak it alone, Lord. Speak to Him. You can whisper to Him. You can whisper His name. And sometimes I just sit. I don't have anything to say. And just sit. Lord, I just want to be with you. See, the whole issue is we think we've got to come in and we've got to pray for this and that and everything else. He already knows our needs. Nothing wrong with asking Him, but He already knows. He says He knows what we need before we even ask Him. He knows our needs. And so what do we want? We want God. We want the Lord. The radiance of the Lord, the glory of God resting upon Lighthouse Fellowship here on 3rd Street is going to draw people in and draw people to you because they want to know what is different about you because you're going to be different. You're not going to hang on to those old worries and all those things that you have in your life. There's going to be something in your heart and life that people see down deep. You see, because we're made spiritual people and we're made to worship the Lord God Almighty. We do that. You know, I've told you, singing to the Lord at times, people look at me and when they go by, you know, I'm singing to one of the contemporary Christian songs and all that stuff. They, I don't know whether people are looking or not. You know what? I don't care. I don't care whether they look at me or not. I don't care what they say. You know, when we for, somehow put behind us the things we think people are going to say about us, you know, who cares? I'm not talking about you need to comb your hair when you get here, okay? When you come in. And you need to. But I'm talking about. Don't worry about what people say. Be concerned about what God thinks of you. And he thinks good things about you. He wants you to know him too. And remember what it says here. That Moses obviously. God spoke to Moses face to face. Just as a man speaks to his friend. Remember in John chapter 15. Jesus said you're my friends. You do what I command. And then he goes on to say, and I'll manifest myself to you if you obey my commandments. We're friends. I think it's kind of familiar here as far as the title and what this church is, okay? And that's why the church, it's friends church, got its name. We're friends. And we're going, well, he was Moses. Yeah, but we obviously are children of God. We want to speak to him as he's our friend. Now, we're obviously reverent in that because he's God. But he wants intimacy with us. You can't have intimacy with somebody that you think is going to reject you and walk away from you and maybe kind of pound on you and all this other stuff. You can't love somebody like that. You love somebody that says, come on in. Be yourself. I want to know you. I want you to talk to me. I want to have communion with you. And I want to have fellowship with you. That's the type of God that we have that wants to draw His children together under His love and His goodness. That's our God. You see, you want that intimacy with him. You want to know him. You know, you want if he's up there with a bat going, man, if I mess up one more time because I just mess up and he's going to bap you. No. He's a God of love. He's a God that says, come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls. Amen. He'll give you rest for your souls. Got to go away from the distractions. The glory of God. His beauty, His majesty, His power, His brilliance, His weightiness. And it's hard to put it fully into words, but you know when you encounter the glory of God. In Psalm 4610, it says, Be still and know that I am God. We know that, don't we, Alan? Be still. That word be still is actually in the Hebrew means relax. Put your arm down by your side, relax. Get quiet. Because what happens, the chatter of this world, the chatter of the enemy of our souls, and the chatter of the flesh continue to bombard us and says, you need to be upset about this. This person did you wrong, and you need to obviously seek revenge, and you need to do this and all these other things, and before long, our whole mind is just messed up. What's he say? Be still and know that I can handle it. 
if you'll worship me. Think about it today. Now, I know we have particular responsibilities to take care of and so forth. But you think about it today. Our primary concern should be to worship the Lord. Begin to worship him. Start out worshiping him. God gave me a song the other morning. I got up. He came. It just came to my mind. I woke up. I had the song in my mind. And I said, well, Lord, I guess you want to do something about it. It's a song about mercy me and uh, how great is your love. Haven't heard it in quite some time, but I, I knew it enough to begin to sing it. Now, if how great thou art comes to your mind or whatever God speaks to you, begin to take off on that because those things are not accidents that they come to your mind at a strange time when you get up in the morning. Most of us are just thinking, if I can get to the coffee pot, then I'll be okay, right? I think that too. But God sometimes gives us a little thought. Something comes to your mind. Don't neglect that. God's speaking. He takes off on it. And I begin. And what I do is I use it. I put it on my phone. And I sing to the Lord that song. Sometimes it's not a song. Sometimes it's something else. But when you first get up. See what happens is because again. All you're thinking about is a coffee. You don't have a whole lot of other things to think about right? If I can just turn that coffee pot on. I'm okay. I'll be alright in just a few minutes. Caffeine kicks in. Bam. Begin to take off on that. Begin to reflect upon that. Because God's speaking. And he's leading us at that time into worship and thanking him. Because he entered his gates with thanksgiving into his courts. What? With praise. Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You know, we get up sometimes and we go, oh, poor me. It's another morning. It's not going to look good that day. Trust me. But if you get up in celebration thinking, oh, I feel all my knees are hurting. I'm aching. And all these things are happening. But I thank you, Lord, your God. And I worship you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and all that. Watch how things begin to turn around. Watch how things begin to turn. Amen. We're called to be worshipers. I don't always do it. I'm sure good. But I'm going to give it a good attempt. And I know you are also. Quiet your soul. Your spirit. But it's a discipline. You know, a lot of old um, saints would use solitude. We don't like solitude. When we had open worship here, you know, what happens is we begin to fidget. You know, we don't like stillness. Mm -mm. We got to have a radio on, TV on. We got people chattering. We got all this stuff going on. We don't like that. We don't feel comfortable, do we? But discipline yourself to do it because it's worth it. It's always worth it here. Be still. Tell your soul to be still and know that he is God. Let me say this. Muddy water becomes clear. If you only let it be still for a while. Right? Just let it be still. Beth Moore says that. Listen to this. You know Beth Moore. Strong believer in the Lord. She says this. When God's presence becomes real to you. Becomes accessible to you. Becomes so real that you can feel him and sense him like a cloud around your spirit. He will so satisfy your spirit that should he tell you to ask of him anything you want, you would not be able to think of anything else that you want. <laughs> Isn't that true? Let me say it again. When God's presence, this is what we're talking about, becomes real to you, becomes accessible to you, becomes so real that you can feel him and sense him like a cloud around your spirit, he will so satisfy your spirit that should he tell you to ask of him anything you want, you would not be able to think of anything else that you want. <laughs> In other words, he's, he's satisfied our souls. Amen? His presence. He'll satisfy you, church. He's all we want and he's all we need. Amen? He's all we want. Jesus sought solitude when he got away. He worshiped the Lord. Obviously. He did that. If he needed to, then we need to also. The glory of God is really what we yearn for. And what Moses was able to catch a glimpse of. 
and what filled the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple in, in, the, in Jerusalem. The glory of God is what covered Jesus at the transfiguration. The glory of God is what we will obviously behold without any barriers when we get to heaven. The glory of God is the little, literal manifest presence of God which is eternally and always present in heaven, pushed through the veil that separated the natural and the spiritual realities and reveals himself in our time and space with his magnificence and splendor. We need to worship him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen to this and we'll, we'll start simmering down. A little girl stayed for dinner at the home of one of her friends. A little girl stayed for dinner. And the vegetable was buttered broccoli. Everybody love buttered broccoli here? Everybody? I do. I do. I like buttered broccoli. Okay. She, the, that was the vegetable there with the little girl. And the mama asked her if she liked it. And she replied very politely, oh, yes, I love it. But when the bowl of broccoli was passed, she declined to take any. And the hostess asked her, I thought you said that you love broccoli. And the girl replied, oh, yes, ma'am, I do. But not enough to eat it. You get where I'm going with this one, right? I love the Lord. But not enough to pursue Him. See, that's what that's, what that's saying. But when we get desperate, and we need a personal touch from Him, He's the Master. And He'll touch you. He'll touch you. And He'll set you... I always say every which way but loose. <laughs> Amen. He'll touch you. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, says this, God designed a human machine to run on himself. God himself. He himself is the fuel that our spirits were designed to burn. Or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That's why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us ha a happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There's no such thing apart from himself. God wants us to be worshipers. If there's one thing in Psalm 27, verse 4, David said, there's one thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek. To seek Him in His temple all the days of my life and to gaze upon His beauty. That was King David saying one thing. One thing. That is, David was saying, I I am a worshiper of God. And he was a man after God's own heart. And we know he stumbled and fell many. You see, we're people that's after God's own heart. And we pursue him and we want him. We delight in him. We taste and see that he is good. And we press into him. We don't back off. We don't draw back like the book of Hebrews talks about. Don't draw back like some have. But press in. Don't give up. Keep seeking the Lord with all of your heart. Keep loving Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And loving your neighbor as yourself. God will begin to change your heart. Because why? It's because we've been made for worship. Worship the King. He's worth it. He's worth it. We will be worshiping Him throughout eternity. But He's saying, why not start now? Why not start now? You know, there are things in our lives, sometimes there are addictions, there are things, strongholds that are there, there are habits there, there are things that we just can't kick, there are things that, are, that go on in our lives, and you know, there are just things we're saying, Lord, I really want you to change me about this and that, whatever it may be, that's between you and the Lord. When you begin to worship the Lord, let me tell you, those chains will break off of you. He'll take them off of you in a heartbeat. And your life will change. Because what will happen then, He'll begin to reveal Himself in that way. And you'll re realize that obviously, 
He's all that you want and all that you need. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. We honor you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. There's none like you. There's no other like you, Lord. You're glorious. And Lord, all these things we talk about, Lord, teach us by the power of your spirit. And dear God, today, lead us into a realm of worship in the king into your presence, O oh God, and your manifest presence in this place, O oh God, bring revival. Lord, we ask you to show up and move in our midst and change our hearts, Lord, because we need to be changed. <laughs> we need to be changed. And we need to be desperate. Because, Lord, if we're satisfied, you wait until we get desperate. So, Lord, teach us your ways. Show us your ways and teach us your path, Lord, and lead us into the way everlasting, oh God. Search our hearts, Lord, and try us and see if there's any offensive way within us and lead us into the way everlasting. We pray, Lord, to do that today. My life, begin with right here. Begin with every person here today in this place called Lighthouse Fellowship, this body. But Lord, I'm saying today, I don't want anybody to miss you. And so, Lord, we ask you, on this Mother's Day, let this be a new beginning. Let this be a time, Lord, of refreshment that comes from the presence of the Lord. We ask you to do that today. Bless us today. I, right now, <clears throat> for the mothers here, I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you with wisdom when you face challenges with your children, your grandchildren, and beyond, and your family. In the name of Jesus, I bless you with power from on high that God would use you to lead your family into a depth of walk with Jesus Christ like never before. And you would just be amazed at how good our God is. Hallelujah. I bless you today. Bless you for the sacrifice that you have given, all of you mothers. The sacrifice that you've given your family, to our society, to friends, to this church, and beyond. In Jesus' name, I bless you. I bless each one with power from on high, that God would touch you and speak to you and give you that stamina and strength to keep on keeping on. Because, Lord, we need you. Lord, in the meantime, bring us into realm of worship in this place. Oh, God, thank you for your presence. We love you. Jesus said, if you just believe, you'll see my glory. We believe, Lord. Help our un any unbelief. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place this day. We honor you and praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. All of God's people. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.